You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 137. Talk about grief and entrepreneurship with Eleanor Beaton. Friends, this episode is a little bit different than others that we've done. This episode talks, pretty frankly, about loss and death and grief, and also running a business. Now, to be fair, we are talking about the liberating and transformative aspects of grief as well. But I want you to be mindful that if you are someone who is currently in a process of grieving, and if that grief feels more like an open wound than it does a healed scar, this might not be the episode for you right now. Come back to it at some other time. But if, like many of us, you have experienced grief on many levels for many different things over the last couple of years, then this might be the episode for you right now. Eleanor Beaton is the founder of Safi Media, an education and coaching company for women entrepreneurs. Safi Media is committed to advancing global gender equity, one woman-owned business at a time. Together with her colleagues, Eleanor is on a mission to double the number of women entrepreneurs who scale past 1 million in revenue by 2030. Eleanor hosts the Power and Presence and Position podcast, a top-rated podcast for female founders with over 1.5 million downloads to date. The former chair of the Visiting Women's Executive Exchange Program at the Yale School of Management, Eleanor has been featured in publications including The Globe and The Mail, The Atlantic, CBC, and more. I'm very, very, very honored to have Eleanor with us today to talk about something that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while. This episode probably requires tissues and maybe a tea and a weighted blanket, so go grab those things. And let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your girl, Renee Dallow, and I'm joined this week by Eleanor Beaton. Eleanor, how are you? You know, I'm having an eight out of 10 kind of day. Wow. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's eight out of 10. What I love most about the show is when I ask my guests how they're doing, you all always answer me honestly, which like, God bless. Come on. More honest answers to that, I think. I love it. We need I, it. Authenticity is the new currency. We that's need right. It. I meditated for a solid 15 minutes this morning, which is new to me. Normally I do 10. And so I kind of feel like a brand new person. <laughs> Good. Because I, uh, while you were meditating, I was uh, doom scrolling Instagram. Oh, well, I Twitter, did that too. So you were the better person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still, I do, I, yeah, I did both those things. Um, but then I meditated and I feel better now. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, listen, friends, we're here today with the lovely Eleanor to talk about something that I've actually wanted to address on the show for a while. And I think if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me sort of pepper in sort of anecdotal stories. And certainly if you've seen me talk on stage, I I talk about this sometimes. Um, But we're here today to talk about grief. And I don't want you to turn off the episode because it won't be scary. Right, Eleanor? We promise. It might be a little bit scary, but we promise (laughs) it'll be like story down, then story up. That's right. And I might cry, but that's okay. Tears are allowed here. Today's topic is the liberating and transformative aspects of grief. And let's just say I'm obsessed with this title because when I say grief, everyone thinks like, dun, 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 grief. But you have a different viewpoint. I do. And and I'll, I'll tell you where, you know, how I have experienced grief in my life. But before I get there, I want to 
share one of the most powerful and life-changing conversations I ever had. It was with a woman. Her name was Amy Dupree. My father had died uh, about 18 months earlier, and I was still lost. I mean, when you lose somebody close to you, somebody who is so close to you that that the relationship is meaningful enough, their absence changes how you relate to yourself. It could be a parent, a sibling, a cousin, a friend, a partner. Uh, that's what happened to me. And it was, I felt like I was unmoored. Like I, when he was alive, I knew my life. I was a, this sailboat tucked in safely at the dock. And when he died, it's like all the moorings were cut and I was adrift and I didn't know who I was. I felt confused and I still had all the expectations of my life around me. And I also felt something else. And I didn't know how to articulate it until Amy Dupree, who is an expert on relationships and grief, said, you know, the thing that nobody talks about when it comes to grief is that when you lose someone, there can also be this odd and confusing sense of freedom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. And that's, I've, I've had so many powerful conversations with people who have had these experiences of losing people close to us and it's devastating. You know, there's like a hole in your heart that doesn't go away. And there is also this sense of oddly freedom and relief. So for me, um, I was in my thirties. I was a mom of a, uh, like a four month old baby and a four year old uh, son, both boys. And my father was diagnosed with a very uh, swift and severe form of cancer. He was dead in six months. And the whole period of his demise was poignant. It was powerful. Um, it was emotional. There were moments of joy, meaning, uh, and terrible sadness, you know, in, in the lead up to his death. And my dad and I were very close. And I was, a, I was the kind of child, like I always wanted to measure up to his version of success. I never actually thought that his love was unconditional. <laughs> Maybe some people can relate to us. I always felt like one of your parents, you're often like, oh, they'll love me no matter what I do. That was me and my mom. With my dad, it was like, I really have to bring it in order to have his love. <laughs> I don't know if this yeah. was true. No, I'm, I'm raising my hand over here as well. Yeah. Right. Sure. You know, I didn't know, but that's how I felt. And so the so when he was gone, I felt devastated because on the one hand, I didn't have him to impress anymore. And I literally, it, I was in my 30s, okay? And I was like, who am I without his, you know, without him to approve of me? How do I decide now? And I was shocked even that I felt that, the, the weight of his approval, the impact that that had on my life. And it's the same thing that gave me a sense of freedom, that I was oddly, finally free to be who I wanted to be. And that compounded the grief. Did it make you feel I guilty on top of it, it? Totally guilty. Yeah. It made yeah. me feel totally guilty. Yeah. I had a bit of that. I have, I still have a bit of that as well with my grief, grief and guilt. I think feel like sometimes go ahead, weirdly hand in hand. Well, and it's so interesting. And I think, you know, for women, like we're so relational and so much of how we see ourselves is in relationship to other people. And so, you know, that we really see that when we lose people close to us and we, the freedom comes from, this is a person that I don't have to take into account when I define myself anymore. Yeah. You know, well, and, and so much of that is very, is so, <laughs> so much of that is so societal, right? Like we, as women measure up to our sisters or our friends or our 
you know, siblings or in my case, like even my cousin, like there were very many family stories about like, well, why can't you be more like blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing that many, many, many women face because listen, even, I mean, we're talking about doom scrolling Twitter. How many tweets have you seen that are like, think of her like your own daughter, but we can't just be our own human person. You know, exactly. We're always, yeah. Women are always sort of placed in that relational situation. It's an interesting parallel there. It is. And, and, you know, the impact that that has on us, like this was interesting when I was growing up. So, so I, a huge part of who I am and what I do it, you know, I'm a leadership coach. I work with women to help them, to help women entrepreneurs, to help them be stronger leaders in their businesses. And before my dad died, I took all of those skill sets, listening, communicating, all of that, and I packaged it into a less personal development-y business, which was a communications consultant. So I had this, you know, respectable communications consulting business. And I can remember growing up, like I would come home from school, my mom would be watching Oprah. I would watch <laughs> Oprah with her. I was all about Dr. Phil and Yanla Van Zant, And I was reading the personal development books. Like I was all about it. And my dad would always kind of make fun of it, you know? Yeah. And, and so all along, I was so interested in the field of work that that you know came up through my mother's influence but this feeling like i needed to impress my dad had me building a career around that you know and then when he died the grief was so awful i mean it, it's really hard to to lose somebody you know so close to you it felt like this hole in my heart and i would you know and i i miss him to this day um and at the same time, I saw how after he died, I gave myself permission to pursue the thing that I really wanted to pursue all along. And that's the guilt part, Renee, that you just talked yeah. about. I was like, why couldn't I do – he never asked me to do right. any of this. Why couldn't I do this when he was here? It's hard. So interesting. I, my question for you is, though, how did you – I mean, what was uh... – how do I put this? Like the time between you feeling this, this sense of relief and like, oh, now I can go after the thing that I have secretly always wanted, but was afraid to go after, excuse me, how long did that take you to move into action? Because I, I know what happened to me after I experienced a, a, a similar, like tremendous loss. And it was very, very fast in my, in our case. And like, I didn't want to do anything for a really long time. It took me a lot to get motivated again. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Me too. I felt like I keep using these ocean analogies. Um, so in the immediate aftermath, so the initial part was just shock. I was in sort of deep shock, um, in, you know, initially when he died, even though, you know, unlike what you've just shared, like we knew it was coming, um, but he was gone and I felt in shock. And the initial, you know, I would say for a good solid, you know, six months, truly six months, I felt off kilter, like a stool, like a three-legged stool, but now yes. it only had two legs, you know? Mm -hmm. And the weird thing is, maybe you can relate to this. What I, what I didn't anticipate is that I expected that I was going to miss him. But one of the most painful and unexpected parts is that I missed the family that we were. Because oh, all yeah. of a sudden, right? The family <laughs> identity. Well, my family fell apart. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. Fell apart. Completely. Same. Like, it was has, just, and also has not recovered in all these years. Well, you know, and I can relate to that. Like I, our family, myself, my brother, my sister, my mom, we are not the same people. We are not the same unit that we were. And I think all of us both miss what we were 
and still haven't defined what we are as yeah. a family, you know, and, and, and that's a conversation, you know, in many ways, I think to myself, like a big sort of personal mission I've had in the last year is I want to bring all my relationships into the present. You know how sometimes you have mm -hmm. these relationships and they're anchored in the past? Oh yeah. That, right. So that was six months of just grieving and, you know, that family relationship where I would have typically turned to for support, you know, all of us were grieving and the unit was different. And so that shocked me. So I was like in shock. And then Renee, I started walking. So I would like oh, go out for a walk. Yeah. And I would yes. just walk and walk for like 90 minutes. And like you, I can completely relate. My ambition left me. Like I had no more ambition. And now what I understand is when my ambition drains away, like the tide, you know, going from high tide to low tide, like it just drains out of the harbor. Now I know that that is, if I allow that to happen, what comes back is something new and powerful and authentic. So instead of trying to fight it, you let it happen. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, so, so I'll give you an example. I had no ambition. I really didn't. I was like, I don't know what I want. So I basically did the bare minimum. You know, I had a business. I did the minimum of what I needed to do to generate the income that I wanted for my family. And that was it. You know, I was kind of stumbling along, trying to be a mother, a good mom to my little boys, um, but feeling quite sort of broken down in a shell of who I was and not really that much desiring to fix it or change it. Like I, yeah. I was just kind of, it was one day at a time. I like, no, I just, I wanted to say that I, it sounds like you had a lot of grace for yourself, which I think is such a gift you were able to give yourself. I know I did not. I was the definition of white knuckling it for like a year <laughs> after. No, for real. I mean, because I plan weddings, right? So no one really yes. cares what's going on in my life. That's um, true. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I know I've told this story in the podcast before, dear listeners, so stay with me. But, you know, um, when my cousin passed away, uh, it happened in the middle of the night and I was on the phone with my aunt when the medic said, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do for him. So it, I was like, I wasn't oh. there, of course, I was in Brooklyn, but I felt like I was there because it, it, I heard it, right? I heard it. And that was three o'clock in the morning, our time. And I remember so clearly I had a 9 a.m. breakfast meeting with someone and my husband says, you should cancel this meeting. And I said, well, what am I going to do? Email her now. It's three o'clock in the morning. And he's like, yeah, she'll get it when she gets up and she won't go to the meeting. And I was like, I can't because something in that moment, I just, I think it was shock, but I was just like, I have to keep going. It was like the weirdest meeting of my life because I sat there and she was like, you don't seem okay. And I was like, I'm not okay. And I just like burst out crying. Don't do that. You guys <laughs> just cancel your meetings. But that I, listen, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do it completely differently because I just thought that the best thing for me to do would be to keep working. And it really wasn't. Well, here's the thing, you know, what I've since learned about the change cycle. And so this comes from a woman named Dr. Martha Beck, who is a really sort of celebrated life coach and sociologist, but she has created a model that really put the human experience of change into a model that she calls the change cycle. So I want everybody to imagine um, a square that's divided into squ four squares, right? There's square one, square two, square three, square four. So we're going to start at square four. Square four is where everything in your life is pretty much working pretty well. Like things are pretty good. Is it perfect? No, you know, but your life, you're kind of ticking along. And then something happens and it's called a catalytic event. And that catalytic event is either a choice or a shock. You get married, 
you decide to get pregnant, you get a diagnosis, somebody dies, right? Um, you get fired, you get your dream job. It's, it's a choice or a shock. So for both of us, it was a shock. And so what happens is this, in order to be a catalytic event, the thing that happens has to be significant enough that it changes how you view yourself. And so that your, your sense of who you are melts down and that puts us into square one and square one, according to Martha Beck, that's a square of chaos and uncertainty. We're not one thing. We're not the other thing. Everything is falling apart. We don't know who we are. And what happens is that as humans, we hate that. We hate not knowing who we are. And so usually the way we cope is to try to go right back to who we were before. So Renee, you went right back to this ambitious professional who never misses a meeting because yeah. we're always going back to, no, let's go back to where we know we're in square four. We know our world. We know our shit. We're on top of stuff. Um, but that old identity is gone, you know, and that's correct. right. And yeah. so the key thing there in that square, it's a little bit like, you know, when a, when a, when a caterpillar, when it gets the, 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 the call, hey, it's time to become a butterfly. The first thing it does is it forms this chrysalis and inside the chrysalis, it actually melts down. It becomes like caterpillar soup, <laughs> right? I was caterpillar soup. I just didn't know. Right? It. <laughs> it's what you feel like. And so, yeah, you know, and so the only thing at that time, you know, for anybody who knows that experience or who is going through that experience, what I learned was that I had to take it one day at a time. And some days even taking it one day at a time is too much. Then I had to take it like one half hour at a time and really take care of myself and, and actually, you know, create a, create a crystals for yourself. I can remember drinking like hot tea, sitting with blankets, like it would be the middle of summer and I would feel freezing. And so I would just sit there with a blanket and a cup of tea and like, just, that was all I could do, you know, but you move yeah, from that, it's funny. I do that right? Too. And then, and then <laughs> yeah. there comes a place where if you just allow that old identity, and I had to allow that to happen. I think that's why we felt our ambition leaving us. Like we had to allow who we were to die, along with our loved ones. Now, I know we've been talking specifically about losing loved ones, but I can't help but think in everything you're saying, it just makes me think about the last couple of years of this ongoing pandemic and like the li the lives we used to have and the people we used to be before this all started. Totally. I mean, how much frustration have we all experienced being like, why can't we just go back to this? And when are we going right. to get back to normal? And then you realize a lot of our problem is that we're we're not allowing the change to happen. We keep insisting that it's 20. We keep wanting to party like it's 2019. <laughs> you know? I mean, guilty as charged, right? 100%. It's just yeah. never. And it's yeah. the same thing. You know, there's this great book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings. And, and it's a fantastic book. And he talks about how, you know, humans, we don't like endings. We don't like yeah. endings. We just want things to continue. And it's like the more afraid we are of it, the less we're able to change and evolve. I can't tell you, like allowing myself to evolve, allowing that identity of a people pleaser, allowing that identity of being a rule follower, allowing that identity of being a good little girl to die, like releasing that identity allowed me to bring forth more of who I was and to bring the richness of who I am and really express that first in my day-to-day -day life in small ways. I started my own blog. Before that, I had been focused on telling other people's stories. 
then I finally got the courage to start telling my own. And then that turned into doing some talks. And then that turned into, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to start hosting some events. Like literally as I, you know, after that period of, I'm going to say two years basically of not wanting to do anything and just releasing this identity that had been with me for three decades, what emerged from that was a much fuller expression of who I truly am. You were, you were becoming a butterfly. I was becoming a butterfly. Exactly. And so I think, you know, to your point, I know that there's people listening who may not be able to relate to this idea of losing a loved one, but I think you're, you're so spot on. I mean, all the time there are opportunities constantly to be releasing old versions of ourselves. And I can tell you like in the coaching work that I do with female founders and before that with female leaders generally, I've always found that the greatest power for a woman isn't through what she adds, it's through what she's willing to release. I want to put that on a shirt. Right? Just pay, just pay me a royalty. I will. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it together. We'll, we'll, we'll co-produce, co-produce it. it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Go. You know, it's not lost on me. Last year I did, um, with, with my like community, I did a 30 day visibility challenge mm. because I was feeling like the last two years of the pandemic really made me feel um, not invisible as if it were something that happened to me, but, <laughs> but invisible in that I just kind of wanted to like be under my weighted blanket, like drinking my tea and like having cozy feelings. You um, know? I love that you're sharing of, that because I felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. I literally felt like, okay, I need to go like make a point to be more visible. So as as I often do with my with my community, I'm like, hey, I need this. Anybody else? Let's do it together. It's interesting that you in your journey of like kind of unraveling who you were and becoming this new thing, like it really took the trajectory of becoming way more visible in your in the world. Yes. Totally. It's not lost on me. I love that, Eleanor. No, and I think, you know, it's like that whole idea of sitting under a weighted blanket. Like there's definitely periods where um, I want to be sitting under that weighted blanket, you know, and that's actually the most nourishing thing I could do. But what's so interesting, I think, about, you know, the power of releasing, the power of letting go is that when we, you know, you start to see as women, all these things that we carry and hold on to, all these things that are literal weights and heaviness in our lives that when we allow ourselves to release it, it's, you know, a lot of times we think about the change that we want to create is something that we have to go do, (laughs) you know, like, right? Like, oh, (laughs) like I've got to go do this. I got to get on the Peloton. I got to, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And we're just like workers. And you know, I have learned and I have to remind myself this over and over and over that sometimes it's really just what I need to release, you know, and, and it can, it can be that. That's the transformative power yeah. of grief in my, in my, in my world. Let me ask you a question. I, we, it's not a planned question, so we can always edit this out and skip it. What, if anything, like we talked a little bit about your family and like, I know from my family experience, like my family was sort of damaged before this, this grief mm-hmm. uh, came, came to the party. But now there are certain family members of mine that basically are still living as though this happened yesterday. Mm. Like to them, there's been no time at all. There's been like, and every conversation goes back to the grief and every converse, you know, every interaction, it sounds selfish to say, but like it very, it leaves me a little depleted because I, you know, it's like, so I try to be there for the, for that person. And and it ends up in this circular sort of going nowhere mm-hmm. sort of um, spiral, right? And I'm wondering if you have any advice for anyone listening and, you know, me, mm-hmm. just about, did that happen to you? And if so, like, how do you, do you release that relationship? 
do you do you like bless and release like do or how do you bring that into the present oh my gosh this is such a good topic and i don't know that i have advice what i what i can offer really is my my experience in this so that happened and i would say more so with my mom i mean because in some ways her loss was the greatest because he was her life partner and yeah. ps like what we do to widows is <laughs> criminal yeah you know, if you want to watch, you know, and it's so interesting how we function as, as a society, like, you know, very often, like when my parents, when my dad was alive, my parents had these couples who were friends and there were parties and there were, and what I started to see is how couples stopped inviting her. And then all of a sudden it was just the women wow. inviting her, you know, in that case, in that, because the couples were like, um, man, woman, couples, their sort of group of couple friends. And it was just the women who were inviting yeah. her. And she was like, but I loved those events. Like, why can't I be invited anymore? <laughs> you know? And so, so I think her yeah. loss was the greatest. And so for her, I think very much, you know, moving on, um, she would have had, like I have, you know, a, a vision of growing old with my husband, um, a vision of what we're going to do together and a life that is built around this central relationship. And so that disappeared. And I think, you know, for her, she was definitely in that place much longer. For my siblings and I, um, it looked different because I, I was the only one at the time who had kids. And so the kids, like they pull you into the present. But yeah. what I'll say is that, you know, I can remember the first year when I forgot to commemorate the day that he died. Like it mm. came and passed and I didn't realize it until a few days later. That was like, I felt incredibly guilty because I realized I have moved on. Yeah. You know, this is no longer yeah. a part of it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, what I've learned, it's so interesting. Like, I don't know if you, if you can relate to this, but the older I get, the more I'm content to allow people to do their thing and, and, mm. and, and yes. not get involved in it. Like I used to feel like I had to go around <laughs> and fix stuff. Now I'm like, no, I, no, I just, yeah, you can be broken. You can, you know, because to me, what you're talking about is that whole description of people who will not allow something to end. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. Right? And I think that they think it's helping them, but on the outside looking in, I, I, I think differently. So yeah. I don't know that I, I, I don't know that there's any advice or solution. Maybe just talking about it in this forum lets other people know that this is happening. You know, I think it's okay. so. Yeah. Like it's, it, you know, exactly. It's when we're honest and we say, you know what? My dad was one of the most important influences in my life. And there have been multiple times in the years since his death where I forgot to honor the day that he died. Like life went on and he is not a part of it anymore. I mean, I would much rather honor someone's birthday than yeah, their last day. Right? I mean, and for me, it was the second year. So my cousin passed away early September 2018. By September 2019, I, I, I was still very cognizant of it. But then, you know, 2020, we were in the middle of the pandemic and I didn't know one day from the next, yeah. right? So it, it sort of happened. And I remember looking, say, similar to you, looking back and saying to my husband, oh my gosh, I forgot to call my aunt. And and, you know, she couldn't commemorate in, in the way that she wanted to, which was to go to the cemetery because of the pandemic. Mm. So it, it kind of felt like the pandemic, other things took, other, the reality of what was happening in the present day took a little bit of precedence over the memory of that horrible Yes. Life, you know, because for me, that that's not a day that I want to remember. No. God help me. Like, I want to remember the day he was born. Yes. And celebrate that. Because that was joy. Yeah. yeah. Have you gotten to yeah. a point yet? Like, 
I remember um, my uncle uh, saying to me that there would come a time in the beginning when I thought about him, I would just experience sadness. But there would be a time when I thought about him and I would mostly experience happiness. And I didn't believe him, but it's true. (laughs) Have you gotten to that point yet? I have, I have, um, but not, I mean, it's not a hundred percent of the yeah, time, honestly, yeah. like we, I do have some, uh, it was, it was tough, right? Because like, you know, he, I, I think, I don't know if I said this already, he died of a drug overdose. And so it was all very, you know, we, I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know that that, that was a problem he had. So it's still for me a little bit wrapped up in that. Uh, maybe I, if I had known what I would have done differently, you know, I wish he would have confided in me. I could have helped. I couldn't have helped. I mean, we know so much about addiction, so much more now than, you know, even back a few years ago. But so for me, it's a mixed bag. Like sometimes I laugh at like things we did as kids, uh, especially on his birthday, but (laughs) sometimes it is just mixed up. You know, What was his, what was his first name? Michael. Michael. My dad was John. That was his middle name. Oh, it's powerful, right? Just even saying their names. Yeah, I hardly ever say his yeah, name. Me too. Why is that? That's so weird. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. And it's like when you speak it, it's like you bring what you bring the spirit of them into a conversation. You know, the spirit of the best of who they are and how they shaped us. It's it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, grief. Grief. I read something the other day, uh, you know, one of those, it was one of those Instagram, like pretty little squares mm. that said like um, something about tears, that, like tears are the are like your body's ultimate release. And the more you hold them in, the, like the, the more your body needs to release them. And I was like, shut up, Instagram. <laughs> but, <laughs> and here we are. Here we well, are with the release. You know what? Here, this is something interesting that I just feel like I have to share so I've given birth and I know what that experience feels like. And it is this intense, it's a very intense experience, you know, giving birth, like bringing life into the world. And I've also been present for the death of two people, my dad and my grandfather um, in both, you know, one was both of cancer essentially. And when I was with them as they died by their sides, What I observed was that the process of exiting the world for them was very much like there were many similarities in the process of entering the world. Interesting. I've never given birth. You have to tell me. Yeah, it was just, it was, there was something sacred in what was happening. Uh, It's the only way I can explain it, but it took me back to the experience of childbirth where something very physically intense is happening as a life passes into this present world, you know, or out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the, what, what has, what struck me about that real life experience is that grief and loss are the pathway to a new and different life. It's not one that we asked for. It's not one that we expected. And yet here it is you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's powerful. It really is. It really is. I want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the freedom that grief allows because I, there isn't a person I know that's not grieving something, right? E- either it's a person or their lives or God, even the loss of business. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what your story is so 
helpful and hopeful because I know like even at a wedding MBA last year, which is a big conference um, in the wedding industry. And I'm, I'm a speaker and I had a booth there last year. My assistant said to me, one of the times I came back to the booth after going to do something, she said, you know, we have a lot of people coming to the booth asking if you're ever going to talk about like what to do next. And I was like, what does that mean? And she said, people who don't know what they want to do with their business. Like a lot of people are asking, like, are you ever going to talk about that? And I'm like, so interesting. So I feel like if we can think of the pandemic as sort of a, as I've been saying on the show, like it's everyone's in a grieving period, yeah. right? Springboarding into what's next. Maybe we can think of this grief allowing us to have that freedom for what's next in our lives, not just, and businesses and, you know, and heart. Oh, all completely. Things. I'll give you a, can I, can I give you a tactical real life example? Yes, okay. please. Always. So, at the beginning of the pandemic, so look, I coach female entrepreneurs. And so, and so the pandemic, let me just say, it was an incredibly stressful time. The, you know, business oh, yeah. owners were massively stressed. Uh, we oh, were, yeah. myself and our, our team were supporting these clients um, dealing with their things. And at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to be able to meet their financial obligations to me? What is this going to look like in my business? So I just felt like I had stress as the CEO, stress like taking on their stress. It yeah. was a shit oh, show, yeah. you know, it was, <laughs> it a, was shit a shit show. show. Come on. I feel that. So it was so hard. And at the same time, so I started, I started doing some live streaming and I was like, Hey, you know, cause people were asking me, should I cut my prices? Should I stop marketing? Should I, you know, what should I do? So I started, you know, doing live streams and then I, um, I was live streaming on Facebook and I was talking about, should you cut your prices in a pandemic? So I was using pandemic and COVID in the stuff. And then we would boost the videos so people would get to see them. Anyway, short, long story short, my Facebook ad account got shut down. And it didn't get opened again, right? And so anybody, <laughs> Facebook is the, the worst. worst guys, yeah. Zuckerberg, the I hope worst. you're hearing this. The worst. Oh, so anyway, God. just like could they make oh, it harder? Sorry. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a different. That's a whole different episode, right? Yeah. So I'm telling you, Renee, for for six months we were trying to get this account reinstated, and it sounds like we were doing black hat stuff. Like legit, we were not. We were just boosting, you know, videos. We, there was nothing illegitimate about what we were doing, but, um, it, it, we just couldn't get, there were a number of issues. We just couldn't get this ad thing reinstated. And so that cut a major lead generation. So not only was, you know, was cash flow interrupted, we were scared about what was going to happen with our clients, but we could no longer pursue one of our biggest lead generators for the business. So we lost something very meaningful and important you know, as a result of what was happening in COVID. And for a while, we really started figuring out what were all the things, like, could could we do it through somebody else's Facebook account? Could my sister's Facebook account, you know, like all the stuff, you know, we're just, yeah. none yeah. of it worked. And then finally I decided, I gotta let this go. I, I'm just letting this go. I am done with this. And honestly, Renee, I felt the tide going out. And I was like, I don't care about generating new leads, I'm going to talk to the audience I have. And so I really doubled down on email nurture, really talking and connecting to the customers that I have. And I literally felt my desire to generate new leads leave my body like the tide leaving the harbor. It was the same feeling, yeah. right? Like just, whoa. Yeah. And, and I just didn't care. I, this is so weird because I'm an entrepreneur, right? Like I eat what I kill. I was like, I just didn't want to go hunting. I just, it just left, right. it just left. And that's yeah. how it was for a period of like four or five months. 
And what was so interesting is that it was like I was changing a huge part of how I did business. I was changing how we marketed and showed up. And for a while, there was nothing. There was just that absence. There was the hole where this entity used to be. And then just like what my experience from before, all of a sudden I was free of it. And the really cool thing that happened is um, we rediscovered a powerful and more authentic way to market, to generate leads, to grow the business that really, essentially it became about long form documentary style content production. Like, it, you know, which is very, like that's yeah, not the, but the point different. is that it was much more authentic. It's who we are. So that had to, you know, like what felt terrible, what felt like a loss, it was the same process. I was pissed. I wanted to, I wanted to punch Mark Zuckerberg in the face. I was mad, you know, <laughs> like not legitimately, yeah. but you know, I'll still like, listen, come on. Because, and then, yeah. um, you know, then you can, when I start to feel the absence, like the draining away, and it basically, it's when you have your fuck it moments. And I was like, fuck mm -hmm. it, whatever. And it drains away. And then there's a period of quiet. And then it's what, that's the freedom. And what emerges after that is always, always, always exciting, authentic. And if you allow this to happen, like legitimate full expression of what makes you unique in the world. Yes. And I love too that just the way you describe all this is like, you know, you allow the thing to occur, like the loss to, and you sort of watch the tide go out and then you decide, like then a decision comes to you, right? Yes. Because I think so many times, like, especially in the last two years, especially for my wedding entrepreneurs, I mean, everyone was through the ringer, but my goodness, I mean, I didn't work at all in 2020. Yeah. Not one yeah. thing. Not one oh, wedding. Oh God. Yeah. I well, to be fair, I had one wedding before the pandemic started, but once the pandemic started, zero. And for me, it was a lot, it was a loss of identity as well, because so for so many years I was, I'm Renee, I'm a wedding planner. Mm -hmm. I'm a professional. This is what I do. I'm very successful. This is, this is who I am. This is who I am. And then in the absence of all that, it's like, well, who the hell am I actually? Yeah. Right. So there's that level of loss, but then also like, I am also, um, dear listener, uh, at a point where I'm actually wondering what's next. Right. And I don't know if it's going to be just staying solely in the wedding industry. In fact, I am almost positive that it isn't, but I did not make that decision in March of 2020 when I was in the middle of the grieving process of my business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like their time has passed. And so it's like for everything I said about like, you know, don't run back to work when you're grieving and try not to make a lot of big decisions. Once the tide leaves and you can look back at the shore and say, okay, well, what, what do I, who am I now? And what do I really want? Then I think it's time to get real honest with yourself and kind of move in a different direction that feels authentic, which I mean, guys, I don't know what to tell you that that's that's just I don't know what that means for, for anyone listening. Right. I don't know what's more authentic to you, but I do know there are a lot of people in my industry right now who are still sort of white knuckling it and getting through our old contracts to so that we can move move past a lot of these postponements. And maybe the next phase for you isn't booking more weddings and maybe that's OK mm. and maybe you can release that. Yeah, you know, it it I I cannot agree with you more. It's the power of the sound of silence. The power mm. of emptiness. And to really drive the point home, can you give yourself a can you allow yourself to receive a professional enema and just be empty for a little while? <laughs> you know? Like come on. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things that's the hardest, right? It's just kind of existing in a pause. Because it feels like that's what we were doing for the for, for the beginning of the pandemic. But really, for me, it was just so uncertain and so much 
uh, it was just a roller coaster. There was nothing, um, there was nothing contemplative about that, mo- about that time. In no, life, you're, you're think. surviving, you know, but, and here's the yeah. thing, like, you know, there was so much loss. There was the professional losses. There was the loss of life. There was the loss of, you know, I think about all the kids who graduated from high school, didn't get a graduation, didn't get a prom, didn't get, you know, their, they were in their final season of their sports seasons. They couldn't play. Like there was so much loss. Um, and that was, that was real and true. And there was also a period, a huge global cultural period of reckoning that resulted, you know, globally in like the the great resignation. So many people started resigning from their jobs because I think so many of us were like, this isn't important to me. Like I honestly, when I used to travel three, two to three times a month and never again, like I am never doing that again. I want to be with my kids. I I have a much closer relationship with my family now from going through that period. Um, It changed me. And I agree with you. Like we all didn't ask for it, but can you let it do the thing that it's capable of doing in terms of transforming you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cosign. 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 That's another t-shirt we should produce with our t-shirt company. (sighs) Cosine. Well, thankfully we have a side hustle now. You exactly. We're going into business. It's going to be great. This is what happens on the you know? show, you guys. We bring we bring our people we together. Um, Eleanor, tell everyone where they can find you on the uh, internet. Tell us about your podcast. Tell us all the things. Okay, so I have a podcast called Power Presence Position, and it's really for female founders who are focused on scaling. Um, so uh, your audience may find some goods there, and you can get me at eleanorbeaton.com. Great. We will put all of that in the show notes. So if you case you're driving, you don't have to try to remember any of this. I really can't thank you enough for coming on to talk about this. I know it's not an easy topic, and but it's one that I think is necessary, especially right now in the world, uh, just where we are right now. I, I hope that my dear listeners have found some solace and comfort and maybe hopefully some inspiration in, in everything you said. So thank you. Oh, it was such a pleasure to be here with you, Renee. My dear sweet listeners, thank you for spending your time with us today. You know what I'm going to say because I say it every week, but I mean it every week. The time is the one thing you can't make more of. And so I'm always very grateful that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.